Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, you're all captains in our book. No matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. We're also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you could also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and much more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. And now, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Cousin Sal here. Hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. Mine could have been better. Coming off a major, major screw job betting-wise. My best bet last week was Joey Chestnut under 70 and a half hot dogs consumed on July 4th. ESPN showed it. The 10 minutes had elapsed. The final count was 64. I'm celebrating like a lunatic, tweeting about what a genius I am. And then Chestnut says in the post-game interview, he says, oh, you know what? They missed the plate. I actually ate 74 hot dogs. And the carnival barker interviewing him along with my bookie took his word for it, so I lost. And so imagine, this is now how we're going to do it. LeBron, uh, I'm sorry, you scored a dismal 13 points. What went wrong? Oh, hold on, I scored 40 points. Oh, you scored 40? Okay, okay, you seem like an honest guy. Congratulations, 40 it is. <sighs> I just need football to come back so I could lose money betting on real shit. I lose in the craziest goddamn ways. Moonlight over La La Land, Hillary over Trump. Golden State up 3-1 to one over Cleveland in 2015. Now, go ahead and add Plategate to the list. My degenerate trifecta didn't fare much better. We had such a bad weekend gambling, I'm giving those guys the week off. Trifecta is currently preparing for our National Fantasy Football Convention appearance. Yes, we're going to be in Fort Worth this weekend. We gave away free tickets to the event last week. We'll be at the Will Rogers Memorial Center. Fantasy guru Matthew Berry will be there. Uh, we hope to talk to Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, Des Bryant, one of my favorites, will be there. Bunch of other players. We're going to be there all day Saturday doing live podcasts. Come by and say hi or flip us off if we've cost you money. Whatever you want to do, just swing by. And later on in the show, we're going to talk to Ian Epstein. He's the inventor of PropSwap. It's an ingenious gambling hedge operation. It's a hedge fund in a way, I guess. Ian will explain exactly what PropSwap is and how you can profit off of it. But on the line right now, one of my favorites. We were supposed to have Artie Lang on today to uh, promote his book, but um, not going to believe this, but Artie never called in. He's not, not as reliable as people may think. Um, at least Lenny Dykstra, as incoherent as he was, he did, he did, in fact, call in. So hats off to you, Lenny. Um, but listen, Artie's been replaced with another comedian who is every bit as much, probably more, of a degenerate gambler. Uh, his name, Brant Toba. Brant, thanks for coming on Against All Odds. How are you, buddy? I'm good now. Thanks for having me. What's that? Uh, no, of course. Now, I've, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to you a couple <laughs> of times. We met. You're very good friends with my cousin, Jill Kimmel, who's also a, a, a established comedian. And you told me some stories and then you emailed me like, listen, I was holding back with those stories. Um, I'd love to be a guest and I, I think I could take the crown from Brad Mulcahy, your good friend, as the best guest ever. Now, here's what's at stake here, Brent. Brad is a good friend of mine who, uh, as a gambler, he had to, to avoid his bookie. He joined the Navy and was like in the Navy, he was in the Gulf War for like a thousand days just to avoid paying his bookie. And then lost a lot of money playing Tonk on the chip. Anyway, the stakes are high, but you say you say you could beat that, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I had a, I had a little different path than Brad, and I eventually became a bookie. But my path was a little different. My uh, my dad went away to college when I was a kid. His 
is what my mom called it, but you would call it prison. I and see. he, uh, so he, I didn't see him most of my childhood. And then he got out and he moved to Las Vegas mm-hmm. and I moved to Vegas to kind of have a relationship with my dad. And like an idiot, I actually moved there to try to become a pirate at the treasure Island. I thought that was the dream job. Oh, that's great. Which, uh, to my family's dismay when I dropped out of college and I moved there and I actually, uh, ended up getting a job working for a bunch of professional gamblers as a runner. Uh-huh. So my job was just to carry hundreds of thousands of dollars and run up and down the street to run up and down the strip as, as a 22, 23 year old and bet these, these games. So it was, it was the most incredible job, much, much more fun than being a pirate. Yeah, that sounds terrific. And being a pirate at Treasure Island sounds like a euphemism anyway, much like your dad was trying to pull off with going to college. But um Yeah. <laughs> but oh my God. So, so so how did this happen? How do you how did they trust you with so much money so early on? You know, it was it was crazy. I would I went to this gym uh when I got to Vegas. I played a lot of basketball growing up and there was only one indoor gym and I got a membership at it and it was it was a super expensive gym. I really didn't have the money to go to. And, uh, I would start going at lunchtime. All the professional gamblers would play at lunch. And eventually, uh, I found out they were professional gamblers and I just love sports. And I was at the time betting like seven teamers for five bucks. And, uh, mm-hmm. the one like head gambler, I'd always, I'd always end up on his team. And over time I kept asking him to give me the games. And then eventually, uh, one time he pulled me in this hallway and he's like, I'm going to give you the games. I'll give you these four games you know, don't tell anybody else in the gym. They're like our secret games. And uh, that's what we're betting. And of course, like an idiot, I ran home, told my dad, pulled all my money out of the bank. Uh, <laughs> and then me and my dad went and bet these four games. And of course they all, they all four lost. We <sighs> lost all our money. My dad was dating a cocktail waitress at Arizona Charlie's. And uh, we were just living in this trailer park and she wanted to kick us out, but uh, we had no money and nowhere to go. So I couldn't go to the gym for a while because I just had no money. And then eventually I was actually counting change in the, there was a, a casino called the Klondike on Boulder highway, this really dumpy little casino. Uh-huh. So at the time my job was to go in at the middle of the night and empty the slot machines and count the change. And, uh, so I couldn't go to the gym for like three weeks. And I eventually, when I went back to the gym, the guy that gave me the game saw me and he's like, where have you been? And, uh, I told him I couldn't come. And he said, did you bet those games? How, how bad was it? And I was like, I, I lost all my money. And then he was like, well, if it makes you feel any better, we lost like 850000 <laughs> And I was like, nah, does it make me feel better at all? You're a millionaire. And I lost all my money. <laughs> so then uh, that day he asked me if I wanted to go to lunch, and I went to lunch with him. And in hindsight, now I realized it was like a job interview. And he sat with me in this back table, and he started asking me all these questions about what I do and what I was going to, what my plans were. And I, I had a girlfriend back home in Wyoming, and I was, I told him I was just trying to save up 1200 bucks and I was going to move back home to Wyoming. Mm. And then he eventually, uh, he just said, man, you work for me now. And I was like, what does that even mean? And he's like, trust me, you, you want this job. Wow. And, uh, what, what does you, that, uh, what does that mean though? When, when you say this is a professional gambler, aside from going over four in a given night, which we could all kind of do, I think what, what kind of edge does, let's say this professional gambler have over everybody else? And by so the way, the by the way, you're you're, start, do, you're doing a really good job uh, of breaking Brad. You're you're on a really solid pace, uh, <laughs> beating my friend Brad. So but the, go ahead. Yeah. So the people always ask me like why they needed us. So they had young guys like me out on the strip running around, and then they had an office where they were betting all the offshores. Mm-hmm. So over time, like, so you know, this was before Twitter and before the internet was really that big. So information wouldn't travel as fast. So if we got information we'd get it maybe five, 10 minutes before the rest of the world. And then I'd run up and try to bet the lines before they moved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then the casinos, once they knew who I was, you know, I, let's say like Dak Prescott was out, I would go up and I would bet against the Cowboys. And then after I got to bet in, I would pull like the sports book director to the side and say, Hey, this is why we bet that you might want to look at that game. Oh. So I was on a limit of like, you know, 10 or $20,000 a game. So that would protect them from someone just coming in and betting like 200. I see. So it was, and I was based out of my main spot was Imperial palace back then, which was ran by Jay Cornegie, mm-hmm. who's been a guest who, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> ironically went to the same high school as me in, in back in Wyoming. Oh. So I became friends with him in the beginning. So anyway, they, but the, the main thing, the way we really got the plays, which was, so Billy Walters, which is considered the biggest gambler 
you know, he, so back then we, we worked off of Nextels, mm-hmm. like the little beep beep ones. Right. And then we paid off somebody at Nextel to give us one of, uh, a Nextel. They paid this guy $25, $25,000 at Nextel to give us one of the phones. So then when Billy would send out his plays, we would get them at the same time, which actually got me in trouble because I was beating Billy's guys to the window. Wow. And, uh, and then Billy found out. So that's how we got a lot of the football plays. But then we had, at the time, we had the guy that was the biggest hockey handicapper. So we were crushing hockey, which was which was great because the, the sports books didn't really care because it was going on at the same time as basketball and football. Mm-hmm. But there was much more gamesmanship to it back then. Like we got a lot of information from golf caddies and and uh, stuff like that. We bet a lot of golf matchups based on information from golf caddies. Wow, that's I mean, so t- all right. So take me to, through a typical Sunday. I, I like I like the idea of stealing Billy Walters, who's renowned. He's as as the greatest as probably a handful of yeah. guys who have made money consistently over the years. He's in prison right now, right? Uh, I don't know. I forget I, how it works. I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard, but they. Because his his runners actually carried guns, and they were so that, that was kind of a bad thing. But everybody hated Billy back then because Billy really controlled the lines, uh-huh. and Billy would do a lot of phonies. So when I first started working for my guys before they they stole Billy's phone, mm-hmm. there was countless times when we thought we were on on the same side as Billy, and he just phonied it up. So you know he a game would be at six, and we would think he was on it, and we'd drive it up to seven, seven and a half. Not us, just a lot of gamblers, yeah. and then he would just take that seven and a half back down to like five, and we'd be sitting there taking like plus seven on a game that's, you know, we'd just be on the wrong side, so there was a lot of, everybody hated Billy back then. Mm-hmm. And my guys that I started with, they started with Billy in the beginning, and, and they said Billy's information was so good that that's how they made all their money is in the old, at the start of the Billy Walters days, he would give out a game and he'd say like bet Notre Dame from seven to nine. And my guys would bet Notre Dame seven, eight, nine, and then give that to Billy and take their cut. But right. then they bet Notre Dame 10, 11, 12 and just crush. So. Oh, how do you keep track of all this craziness? And so, yeah. so I don't, so Billy never ended up getting like that next endorsement, right? It just, uh, it wasn't the right fit. They decided. Yeah, yeah, they just, uh, he had so much money. He, at, at the time, he was just killing everybody, so. Right. It was, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of that, and just, and then just, you know, we would just, information back then would come from, it was, it was, it was a lot of degenerates, like, the de- degenerate, your degenerate trifecta would be great, because they would go to a game, and then if they saw something, you know, then you would have a free roll. Let's say you went to a game, and you called us, and you saw, like, the Mets, Mm-hmm. change pitchers or whatever and gave us a tip then you know my guys would give you a free roll on the game i see wow so back then it was the you know the internet kind of ruined people always ask why ask me why i'm still not a runner but the, back then every casino was kind of independent so they set their own lines and now it's i think it's like three people like the three people control the whole every single casino so the lines don't even there's really no reason for a runner so do they so there are no runners except for maybe if a, a guy is not allowed to bet in a given casino he has to throw, yeah. throw them off the he scent missed. right there might be a few runners but back then it was more it was really competitive there was a lot of runners you mm-hmm. know I'd run up escalator the wrong way or I would it was a real competition to get the number but now I just don't think that uh, with like three, like I think MGM, Caesars, like three companies run the whole thing. So yeah. the lines are pretty much all the same. So there's no real competition for it. It was like those 50s movies where they'd be at a trial, the reporters, and then they all race off to the one uh, yeah, phone yeah. booth to try to make the call. Yeah. So tell me about you. But you, I'll tell you what. Oh, good. Yeah. I'll tell you a bad part of the job was like, because I was 22, 23, 24 at the time when I started. So I looked young and I'd go up and bet like 50,000 on a game. And then people in line would see me betting that game. Mm-hmm. And then when that game would lose then they'd come yell at me and be like, Hey, why'd you bet that? Like grown <laughs> men would change their bets because they saw some, they thought I had to have information when sometimes I was just laying off a game. They'd right. be like, why did you bet the Redskins? I was like, we weren't, I didn't even want the Redskins to win. We were on the wrong side. So mm-hmm. it was, that was one of the weirdest parts of the jobs is 40, 
50 year old men just screaming at me after a game. Like you made me change my bet when I didn't make them do anything. <laughs> well, you yeah, you didn't ask them to do it. It's not like you said, Hey, I'm on something here. Right. They're yeah. just trying to steal but, your pick. Right. Yeah. But then other times dudes would just like throw me a hundred bucks or something. Be like, you, you totally changed. Like, thank you for doing that. And I would, you know, they thought they didn't really, they didn't realize I worked for somebody. They just thought, I, would, I don't know what they thought, but that was one of the, there's so many crazy things with the, with the job. So what were the, first of all, the job is uh, all, all year round, right? And it's, what were you doing yeah. it every well, day? You know, we didn't, Yeah, we stopped like baseball. We didn't do a lot in the summers. We could never beat baseball. Uh-huh. And we would, uh, we would start up uh, preseason football is when we, we would crush preseason football. I see. Cause yeah. uh, back then there was a lot of information, you know, my guys would read all the papers and, Mm-hmm. Why you could there just wasn't as much information freely out there to everybody if you really worked you could sometimes find something and you know a coach saying we're definitely gonna try to win this and so we NBA finals we'd stop and then we'd pick back up uh once football started right and then so but it would get hairy sometimes right there were like some uh some firearms involved remember you told oh, yeah, me yeah it was well the worst thing that happened is my dad stole eighty thousand dollars from me. Uh, so my dad, that's pretty bad. I, I could say that. Yeah, I could see that really, being the worst thing that happened. Yeah. It was real. It, it's hard to come to your boss and say you're $80,000 short in any job. But, uh, <laughs> so I, I, uh, moved me and my dad out of the trailer and I got this beautiful house on the golf course. Cause I was making a lot of money and it, it was all cash. Right. And plus over time I realized when to bet because with those next styles, you know, it's beep. And sometimes they'd say, Hey, go look for Steelers minus four if you see it anywhere mm-hmm. or sometimes they just come across like Steelers three or sometimes it would come across Steelers Steelers mm-hmm. so once I figured out kind of the game right when it came across like Steelers Steelers and I'd run up to the counter bet like 2,000 for myself mm-hmm. and then bet the max before they changed the line right. because back then they let me keep all the money so I was responsible I had the money with me at all times so if my figure was like 350,000 I could it would go up and down. And then on Tuesdays I would check a figure with them. So I got to, I got to actually bet out of the, yeah, out of their money, which got a lot of people in trouble, but luckily it didn't for me, but right. Except for when your dad, so, yeah. What? So your dad yeah. got, got wind of the fact that so, you were carrying all this money. Yeah. So then everything was good. And my dad was on parole the whole time. So he had to be good. And then my dad got off parole and pretty much like the next week. And I had moved my little brother out to uh you know my little brother's just like a little stoner dude that lived in portland worked at a subway and i told him hey come out to vegas i'm hanging out with dad we can you know have a relationship with our dad and my brother moved out everything was going good then my dad got off parole and um like a week later he started hanging out with kids like our age like little meth head like white trash kids and Mm -hmm. then uh one day i'd on a it was college football saturday so i'd have to be down on the strip till eight like 738 in the morning and then I'd run up and down betting games and half times all day, get home about 839 and then have to wake up and do the same thing for pro football. Jesus. And uh so I got home on this Saturday night and I could tell my dad was on something, but I it, you know, I just it's hard to yell at your own dad and I right. told him, Hey dad, come down tomorrow. I can get everything comp for you. I'll get you a booth, you can eat, drink and uh I think like, I gotta go to bed because I gotta wake up and then I went to bed like two hours later, my little brother came home and uh, he had saved up like $300 to go back to Portland to see his girlfriend graduate college. And he woke me up. He's like, Brant, someone stole my money. And I jumped out of bed and I ran downstairs to try to, you know, talk to my dad. I thought one of these little stupid kids who was hanging out stole my brother's money. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got downstairs, my dad, he had this crappy Mustang that he thought was so cool that always had to be parked in the garage. And I went and I looked in the garage and I saw his car was gone and then it hit me like, oh shit, I have all my money upstairs and nice. I ran upstairs and my dad's full of 80000 Oh my God. So did you, <laughs> well, I mean, what do you, then so, at that point you could yell at him, right? <laughs> well, no. So then, you know, and I was just sitting there seeing my little brother cry and this is when it gets really bad because I'm an idiot, but I, I, at that moment I was like, that's it, I'm going to kill my dad. And so I came up with a plan to kill my dad, which obviously is a dumb idea. I'm 23 years old. And this is before like Dexter breaking bad or any of that. But Uh my dad had told me a story one time that he, uh, that, that when he was, when I was a kid, he, he cheated on my mom and he got like gonorrhea and they, the doctor gave him penicillin, not knowing he was definitely allergic to penicillin. Mm -hmm. So he almost died. 
And then, so me and my brother came up with this dumbass plan that we would get a job. My dad loved this. There was a Jamba juice like two blocks from my house. And my dad would always get these Jamba juices. So we came up with a plan that we'd get this penicillin, put it in a Jamba juice. My dad would drink it and then he would die. Pretty good. Which Solid. was again, stupid, stupid plan. <laughs> but, uh, so I called my cousin who lived in Phoenix, who's like a real gangster drug dealer and, and just the most loyal dude in my life. And I told him what happened. And he, uh, he said, I'll be there in five hours. He drove up from Phoenix. And then when he got there, he was like, where's your dad? At? I was like, hold on. I have this brilliant plan. And I told my cousin and brother, I said, this is what we're going to do. And by we, and this is the bad part of the thing. I was like, I'm going to fly to Colorado, be with my girlfriend. So it doesn't look like I'm involved. Mm-hmm. And no one knows that my cousin's there. So what you guys are going to do is just get this drama juice, fill it with penicillin, give it to my dad. When he drinks it, he'll die. You and my brother go to Phoenix. And then a few days later, they'll find my dad and we'll be, you know, off scotch-free. Right. <laughs> so it, so we go with the plan. I fly to, to Colorado. I go to Estes Park with my girlfriend, my cousin. They get Jamba Juice filled up with penicillin. I'm in my hotel in, in Colorado. I don't tell my boss any of this, that the money's gone. I told him that my uncle died and I had to go. Because mm-hmm. I was just trying to buy time. Sure. So I didn't want to tell him I didn't have the money. And then, uh, so I flew to up here to Colorado. And then, um, so I called them and they're like, we're ready. We got a large mango in the freezer. We're just waiting for for him to come home. And then uh, I was like, all right, we'll call me when it's over. And about two hours later, they called me back and they said they gave it to him and, uh, he wouldn't drink it. You know, he just put it down and and he left and I get that. My dad, my dad was like in Leavenworth and like real prison. So I don't think he thought we were trying to kill him, but at that point we were obviously enemies with him and be smart enough not to take this. So then he, he called me and said he didn't take it. And I said, you know what? Just stick with the plan. Just go to Phoenix. We'll just never talk to my dad again. Mm -hmm. And my cousin's like, nah, we're going to do it my way now. And then, so the plan they came up with and they didn't tell me what their plan was. They knew my dad always had to park his stupid Camaro in the garage. Uh So what they did was they opened the garage door and then they cut the power lines, the phone lines, and they just waited for my dad to come home. And then my dad came home, parked in the garage, just like they thought, tried to shut the garage door. It wouldn't shut. He got out of his car, shut the garage door manually and locked it. And then as he was walking back to the garage to go in the house, my brother and cousin jumped out with golf clubs. Mm-hmm. And they tried to kill him with golf clubs in the garage, mm-hmm. but they were, it, they didn't realize how dark it would be. So they were swinging, but they were almost like hitting each other. And they said they hit him a couple of times, but then there was a little doggy door on like, uh, there was a door that led to the backyard and at the bottom of that door was a little doggy door. And that was the only light that was coming in the garage. And my dad just put his shoulder down and bust through that door and fell into the backyard and, uh, jumped over the wall and ran away. And I haven't, I, that's, 17 years ago, I've never spoken or heard from him. You've got to be kidding me. That, that was it. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. So, and then I had to go tell my boss, which was the hardest thing. Cause, and I think a little bit of the thing was my dad was just jealous of my relationship with my boss. Cause I, my boss was like the coolest guy in the world. And I just looked up to him. And when I first got the job, so we had a partner and when I got the job, his partner was back in Kentucky, taking care of his family for his mom was like sick for a month. So when he came back, he's like, found out he hired me. And they're like, you just hired this weird dude that showed up at your expensive gym. And <laughs> so they thought I was an FBI plant for a while because oh. they had had FBI problems Donnie before. Brasco. Yeah. So for like the first month, they made me hang out with them every night and like go to dinner. Uh-huh. And looking back on it, they were like questioning me. And then they realized I was just a dumbass actually from Wyoming. So well, so now did they, <laughs> then, did, then, did they force you to commit a crime or anything like that? That seems like the thing where you have to prove yourself, right? No, no, they, they, didn't just, okay. they, they were just asking and you know, because yeah. it was, they, they didn't, they, the, I learned a lot about like that. That's all like movie stuff, like with the bookies and stuff. And, you know, because they were, and that was the one thing he taught me. Because later, I would, I did start being a bookie because, mm-hmm. you know, when you live in Vegas, people would always just be like, "Oh, you live in Vegas, go bet this for me." Right. And right. then I was, when I started, I would just go bet it, and then they'd always lose. I was like, "Why don't I just keep this?" And so, then you have to collect it, know? and it, and it, they, they don't pay, or they don't pay the vig or something. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you can't. So then can, I learned how to. So then he taught me how to be a bookie, and then, uh, and then I was a bookie for a while. And this was my trick to getting paid when I was a bookie. It would be like. If you owed me money, I would, I would never, I would try to get it from you. But eventually, I would just be like, "Hey, if you don't pay me, I'm just gonna let your wife's parents know that 
their daughter's probably not in the best situation. Right, right, right. And that's what always got me paid because they'd be like, you don't know, you know, my wife's parents. I was like, in this day and age in Facebook, it, it would take me 20 seconds sure. to find out where they're at. Yeah, it's too easy. Because all that tough guy stuff, that was another thing I learned. Like, if you have, mm-hmm. and like bookies wouldn't want me saying this, but a real bookie never beats up anybody. Because if you have, let's say, 25 customers, and they're, they're all going to lose to you eventually. Right. If you beat up one, he might turn on you, and then the other twenty-four, you you're, you can get paid from them forever. So I yeah. learned a lot of stuff like that. And plus, you have access to unlimited penicillin. I mean, you could kill any of these people, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still I'm still shaken by the the uh, the father. Uh, that, that's so. really. I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure that was the inspiration for Finding Nemo, but I'm not positive. I may have to go back and watch that movie. <laughs> wow, that it's was so something dumb else. To even. <laughs> dumb to even talk about it now in hindsight like what a thank god it was such a stupid plan that didn't work but. yeah yeah that's something else so all right so you become a bookie and like i've been on this end too like you don't want to you know if you have to collect you have to it's easier to collect through these people over time and by the way the whole psychology behind it and everybody knows this by now if they're betting with you the whole season if they win they're going to keep putting it in if they lose they're going to double up you know the only way somebody really yeah. wins is if they get lucky and and pick their spots and bet, you know, I'm going to start betting the NFL yeah. playoffs. Like that's, that's how someone could walk away the winner, a winner or something. But yeah, if you're well, smart yeah, my about boss it. Always, yeah. My boss always said, if they know me, they owe me. And that was the truth. Yeah. Right. And that was kind of like, the thing is like, I, when I was book, I was, I tried not to book my friends, but then inevitably they always want to start betting. And then it sucks when you know, like your buddy, Andrew has three kids and you're going to pick up money and, a, you know, and, Right. And the other thing I learned is like the, you know, as a bookie, you always pay and collect on Tuesdays because there's nothing worse than someone betting Thursday night football and then calling me at like 10 o'clock. Like, Hey, that game's over. I want to get paid. Right. Like, right no, right. we do pay and collect on Tuesdays. Plus that gives them always, you know, yeah. and then when I first started booking, everybody would win immediately. And I'd complain and my boss would be like, just wait, right. just wait. And then they would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Tuesday, I mean, the Sunday night game was really invented for gamblers, like to, to make their yeah. money, to uh, give them one more chance to make their money back before Monday. I guess some people would settle on Monday morning, but yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday would make, yeah, we always make we, even that Monday night sense. game was always like, I just never needed favorite and over on Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> so take I knew me, what I needed. Your, your dad's out of your life. Your uh, what happened? What became of the 80,000? How did you explain that part? So then I went to him and, um, and it was hardest thing because he, he had changed my life and I, I just never wanted to disappoint him. I really looked up to him and I remember right. I went to his house and, uh, I, I got to his house and I couldn't, I was just sitting in my car crying. Like, I just didn't want to go in and tell him what I did. Cause he told me that in the very beginning, he's like, all you have in this world is your reputation. And when your reputation's gone, you're gone. And I'm like, this is it. I'm just going to go in here. I'll lose my job. I don't know what I, I dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. come be a pirate. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I went in there and he had three sons that I was, you know, good friends with. And they were like 12, 14 and 16. And when I came in, they, they were like, Hey, cause they thought I was in Wyoming dealing with this funeral. And, uh, when I came in, they're like, Hey, you know, and my name in the gambling world was X, you know, everybody has like code names. So they're like X, X. And then he could tell my eyes were all puffy. And then mm-hmm. I just said, Hey, can I talk to you real quick? And he's like, yeah. And we went back into his office and then the second he shut his door, I just started crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. My dad stole $80,000. And then we try to get it back and we try to kill him. And he's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> and I told him and he's like, you don't, he goes, you don't do, you know, like if you ever have a problem, you come to me, you don't, what are you doing? You know, we, we can always make more money, but if you wow. kill somebody, yeah. So I got a big lecture. Yeah. But if, you, if it's your dad and you have a chance to kill him, I mean, you might, you might as well go for yeah. it. Right. <laughs> <Trust me. laughs> My mom wanted, my mom wished it would have happened. So that was like the hardest part is just telling him I didn't have the money. And So they believed you right away. I mean, you just needed them yeah. to believe you. And they, I mean, you weren't, you weren't lying. Yeah. So. And yeah. And he just said, you know, we'll make more money. And then, and then we, and then he let me stay with him for like seven or eight months. And then, um, right. and he just, he was just kind of like, a, he was like the dad I always wanted. So he was cool about it, but there was still, you know, you just don't want to let me, someone yeah. who's done so much for me that moment was like the worst to have to tell him I don't have $80,000. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Cause they had other runners that ran off with the money before it was like a bad, by the end of the job, you know, you, as a runner, I'd have to come pick up the morning and the money in the morning and then turn it back in at night because runners had taken off with so much money and really they didn't take off with it. They just like blew it. Right. 
So how so much? That much money to chase. How much were you making back then? Like, uh, are you so, booking and and no, working for these guys at the same time? Learn, or no? I didn't learn how to book till like later. Because what happened was, so in the beginning, I was I got a thousand dollars cash a week, and then that was my starter, and then they paid like my phone bill. But then as it went on, we eventually got a house we worked out of. So they had me get a house, and mm. then uh. So we worked out of this house, so then they paid my rent, my phone bill, food, and everything. We actually worked out of this house, so I really just got to live there for free. And then by the end, I was making like twelve, fifteen hundred cash, and then I had like uh, the smallest percentage of of what I got. I had like two percent of what we won. Winnings. So, but it, it was a lot of money. But I was making so much, and there was just side money to be made, like because I was in the casinos every time. So if I saw a line that was off, I learned to like just tip the ticket writer. Five, you know, like if they put up a prop that was bad, I wouldn't hit it for a thousand. I would hit it for three hundred, you know, over and over, and then just you yeah. know throw the ticket writer. Ticket writers had no money, so yeah. we used to do a thing on the Hawaii game where we would we would see what the Mirage line was, and then my guy at the Imperial Palace would put up his own line just to try to create a middle. So, so that's typically the me. last college game of the Saturday night, yeah, yeah. about nine or ten o'clock so, on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, the manager that ran Imperial Palace was just a degenerate, too. So, if you know, if the game, he'd put up, if, if they put up pick at the Mirage, he'd put up plus a half, and, you know, we'd lay the pick and take the half. Right, right, right. And, you know, try to, so there was a lot of different chances for money that came in. So I was making a, a ton of money. Wow. And it was just all cash, which was, and I had comps for everything. You know, I had so many comps, so there was just a lot of, I, I was making so much money. All right, let's let's take a quick break and uh, and hear from Yahoo Sports. I I want to hear this ending. I think it has a happy ending. I I, I don't know. You're talking to me right now, yeah. but uh, hold on. <laughs> let, let's take a quick break right now. All right, Yahoo Fantasy. Wow. Do yourself a favor. Stack the odds in your favor and turn this football season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. Upgrades like easier scoring, new trophies, and a buttery, smooth app experience. Those are my words. So when you come to play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. But to get in on the wins, you have to get in on the season. So start a league with your squad or join one of the many public leagues. Just don't miss your chance to play on the best fantasy football platform on the planet. Join a league now at yahoo.com slash odds fantasy football. All right, we're back with Brant Tobler, who, um, unsuccessful, no no need to hang your head, try to kill his dad. That didn't work, but uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's moving forward with life. Um, let me, uh, it's just such crazy stories. I have a couple of things written down. Oh, you would, uh, you started talking about paying off ticket writers and, mm-hmm. and, and didn't, didn't you do something weird or is this when you moved back to LA? I don't want to jump oh, ahead yeah. on the story, but so th- are you still working with yeah. these guys at this point? So no. So then what happened was the, so my bosses were also, uh, they made a lot of money in the poker. They were, they started in the Midwest as, poker running poker games and as bookies. So then when the poker boom hit, mm-hmm. they started playing poker and they had, they had a piece of a full tilt. So they were like, who cares? No more betting on these college kids to make field goals on Saturday mornings. We'll just go. So they end up and they had poker success. So they quit for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up working for this other group. This young group of guys came in that were just super smart. And, uh, and they, uh, so I got a job with them and then they were, they were crushing everything. They were, they were really good. And they had a great simulator. They had built this simulator to, you know, run the game like 10 million times. And then, uh, but these dudes, they, they could never get laid. They were just like nerd dudes. So, <laughs> right. uh, at night they would teach these girls in Thailand how to, they would do Skype with these girls in Thailand and they would, uh, teach them English and stuff. So then when the NBA finals ended, they flew to Thailand to get their girls and bring them back to Vegas. But, one dude didn't go for whatever reason. We'll never know. And uh, this this dude, he had a bad back and was like bipolar, so he was on all this weird medication. And then uh, one night he freaked out and he called his mom, who lived in Phoenix, and uh, and then kept hanging up on her, and was just going crazy. And then she was worried about him, so she drove up to Vegas, and we worked out of this like big mansion 
uh, and she got to the, to the gates and she couldn't get in. And then she went to the house and she couldn't get in. So she didn't want to do. So she called the police cause she was worried about her son. And then her, the police came and then they found her son dead in the pool in the back. And then they went in the house and we had a basement in Vegas, which no one has. And when they went down to the basement, they just saw flat screen TVs and computers. They thought we were bookies uh-huh. confiscated everything in the house, like 2.3 million in cash, three different safes and confiscated everything. My bosses come back from Thailand with their girls. They get to the house. They see like the front doors open. They're like, this is weird. They go in the house. They see everything's gone. They don't know where their friend is. They call the police. They're like, Hey, we think something happened to our friend and we got robbed. And the police are like, uh, your friend <laughs> is dead and, and we have all your stuff. You you can come see us tomorrow, you know, bring a lawyer. And like, oh, good. And I literally like, the, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then literally the next day my boss called me and they're like, hey, you know, Marco's dead. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, he's dead. And I was like, what happened? And they're like, we're moving to Costa Rica. Uh-huh. I was like, what about me? And they're like, it's over. It's like, what do you mean it's over? He's like, it's over. And then they moved to Costa Rica like two days later. Wow. And that's how, it, that's how it all ended. Now, were you bummed that they didn't want to take you with, with them or were you like, all right, that's probably enough of this? Nah, it was probably at that point. Well, I don't know, man. I love the money part, but I started doing stand up, uh-huh. you know, and I didn't realize that you don't make any money in stand up. So I had these <laughs> crazy dreams of, that I was going to be a, a famous rich stand-up comedian. So I was like, oh, whatever. I, I can make this money telling jokes. So, And yeah. I, had, I had a girlfriend I was in love with and I wanted to stay. So, And I, first of all, I just didn't have a choice. They were like, I wasn't invited because they obviously didn't need a runner in Costa Rica. So, uh-huh. wow. so that's how it ended. I see. So yeah. but, but so that, was that it for gambling for you? I'm trying to get the timetable right. There's, there's this other no. story I want you to tell about so then, when you moved to yeah. LA. Yeah. So then the gambling thing was over and then I moved to LA to be this rich and famous comedian. Mm. And then I got to LA and I was there for like a year and I ran out of money and I had no money. And, uh, so there was a guy that I had dealt with back in, I love to bet futures back in Vegas. And I, one of the, part of the thing I didn't talk about here was that I used to, um, like hook up with one of the sports book directors, one of these girls that, that ran, a couple different sports books. And, uh, so she would always let me bet numbers that we weren't supposed to. So I had like $20 to my name and it was like late August. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, uh, so I called this guy up and I was like, Hey, do you want to bet a future? You know, I could get you a, a better number. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, yeah, I'm looking to get the Patriots. He's like, the best I see in town is three to one. He's like, if you can get me four to one, I'll give you $400. If you give me five to one, I'll give you $500. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And, so I knew that this, the key to a ticket is it comes on special paper with, you know, I, so I had the, the head of the sports would give me a roll of the paper that comes through the ticket writers Wow, that has like sunset state that you would have to have to make a ticket. Yeah. And then we Photoshopped this ticket. So then I called him, I said, you know what? I can get you five to one if you want it. How much do you want? And he's like, I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll take 7,000. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you got it. So we, we uh, we made this fake ticket, you know, printed it. I went and bought a ticket for five dollars or for seven dollars, or I, whatever five to one, just to get the ticket. And then we photoshopped this ticket. Uh-huh. But then I was driving to Vegas to give it to him, and he was like, uh, he called me. He goes, hey, you think I could get nine thousand on it? And I was like, for a second, I was like, I can't do that. And then I was like, well, I can't. What well, I can give him whatever he wants. Yeah, why well, can't, can't I do that? Yeah, <laughs> why can't I? Yeah. So I said, yeah, man, don't worry about it. So then I called my buddy, my Photoshop guy, but he, another comedian, and he was flying cross country Jesus. and he landed in like Houston. I was like, I need you to do this right now. You know, even if you have to miss your flight, I'll pay for it. But we got to get this up to nine, you know, for 9,000 at five to one. Mm-hmm. So, so it all came through. And then that night I gave him the ticket. So it was great. Cause I, I literally went from having, you know, $20 to now I had 9,500. So he gave me 9,000 for the ticket and then he gave me 500 for the bonus of getting him five to one. Mm-hmm. So then I had this, and I'm a huge Bronco fan and it was the, the first year that Peyton Manning became a Bronco. So like I flew to Denver, went to the first game at a, at Peyton's first game. Oh, this isn't Steelers. that, this isn't that long ago then. This isn't. Okay. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. I went to Montana. Pearl Jam was, I'd never seen Pearl Jam. They were doing one show. I went up there. So I plowed through this money like an idiot. I mean, I pay my rent a little bit, but I just go have fun. And I, and as the season goes, I'm like, Peyton, the Broncos are the team. And uh, 
So as it's going and going and, you know, Patriots win a couple games and I'm, but I still believe in, in Peyton. And then, uh, we get to the playoffs. So it looks like Broncos are the one seed and the Patriots should have been the three seed, but I think Houston choked a game or whatever. But so the Broncos are one and two. I still think right. Patriots have to come to Denver and then the Broncos choke that, uh, Ravens choke against the Ravens on yep. like a, a deep ball. Yep. And now, and over time in LA, everybody had heard this story. So it kind of went like, in at least the comedian community, everyone was like, holy, this is crazy. You have all this. Uh, <laughs> all you have this. So everyone is kind of rooting for me. And then the Broncos choked that game. So the, but, like just, just to recap, so this ticket is invalid, right? There's no way you can't. Yeah, it's just a free ticket. It's nothing. Yeah. And, uh, it has no value. So you're just, you, is, you have this money and you're rooting against the Patriots at this point. Otherwise, you're yeah. gonna, so this guy's going to come looking for 45 yeah. grand pluses. Original yeah, thought, fifty-four. Right. I'm, I'm plus ten. I'm, right. I'm a ten-point dog for fifty-four thousand. Awesome. So, <laughs> and then, uh, so everybody in LA is like, "Hey, we want to come watch the game with you." I was like, "No way!" And I just went up to to Black Bear in the mountains. My buddy got a cabin, and like six of us watched it. And I'll rem- I'll never forget. We were sitting in this cabin, and Patriots were up. I think it was like thirteen-seven at halftime, mm-hmm. and everybody was. It was just a weird mood. And I remember standing up, and I'm like, "Hey, we can do this." we got to believe we got to hope. And as I'm giving this rah, rah speech, like behind me, Brady's warming up for the second half. And it said he was like 62 and Oh at home with like a lead. And I was like, we're dead. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> needless to say that I got super lucky and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis bailed me out and the Ravens won that game. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just got wasted and like a stupid idiot at like three in the morning. I wrote this Facebook post about, uh, oh, no. like, uh, I tried to write this vague post about, Hey, thank you. Everybody that rolled with me on this season. This is incredible. Blah, blah, blah. We did it. And not thinking this guy would ever see it. And at like 11 in the morning, the next day he calls me and he's like, Hey man, what's up? I was like, nothing. And he's like, uh, I read your Facebook. It, it looked like you weren't really rooting for the Patriots. Cause I, he told me, give me a bonus if they won. Oh. And, uh, I was like, no. Like, well, I told you, know, you I, I was I'm, from Baltimore, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I said, you know, I'm still a bookie. And so on the other side of it, you know, I, I don't uh, know what kind of bonus you were giving me, but I, it, it just made more sense. And then he was like, so if I take this ticket down to Sunset Station right now, it'll, it's real? And I was like, yeah, man. So do you think he ever checked the ticket? You know, I don't know. I never heard from him, but I don't think, I think. Yeah, I think he probably didn't. It just added torture because he, right. he thought for sure the Patriots were going to win right, anyway. Right. So as you should when you're a ten point favorite at home. But right. I think deep down, but I'm I know he knows the story. I think because the people have snitched on me and ran and told him. So, but I, I don't know. But it was a uh, <laughs> it, it helped. It saved my butt in L.A. for all right. For well, he, you know, he probably also knows the stories of your crazy cousins and their and their uh, yeah. n- nine iron. So. <laughs> You decided to yeah, leave well we got enough. A, we alone. got a better murder. We got a better murder murder caddy now. We're, exactly. We do better. Wow. We learned from our mistakes. Wow, that is uh, that is something else. And do you do you gamble now a little, or do you even care to nah, talk? About? I mean, a little, but it's yeah. just I can't gamble the rush of like I'd have to bet every dollar I have to ever get back to close to that rush. You know, so yeah. when I'm in Vegas, I'll throw around like a hundred or not anything big, just because. There were so many times when I I needed bets for my whole entire life, like that one. So right. I, it's been kind of a blessing that I can actually gamble pretty relatively without risking everything. Where you know in the old days, right. I, I had to you know I had probably the biggest bet ever. I had huge bets on every. I mean, one of the biggest bets I ever made was for when Sorensen, the girl, tried to make the cut. And I remember sweating that. I had bet like eighteen thousand <laughs> my own money. So wow! For me to get back to that. It's hard, so. Yeah, it's so funny. I talked to you. I talked to, like, Molly Bloom and these people who were so, it was so dependent on gambling, and it was so much part of their life. And they could jump back in anytime, and just, you're able to shut it down. And uh, I commend you for that, I think. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, no. It's, well, I just know how it always ends, so. Right. I'm lucky to get out. Because it, it, it ended bad for a lot of people uh, right. around me, and I. I, I just, gotcha. You know, I just thought it was bad. but So, no, it was. It was a, it was a crazy life as a kid from a small town in Wyoming. Yeah, I never. I, mean, I thought I was going to be a PE teacher and a JV basketball coach. So there's still just, time. I never. There's dreamed. still time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that is uh, spectacular. And thank you for the story. You made a book out of this, right? A, a lot yeah, of these so I wrote a book. It's called Free Roll. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's audible. It's everywhere. Amazon everywhere. And it's got, you know, there's more stories of crazier. I got robbed at shotgun. I, I took over a celebrity's house for the summer. There's a lot of stories we didn't touch on, so uh-huh. I'm obviously biased, but I'm, it's a, I, I'm pretty proud of it. And it's it's called Free Roll. You can get it anywhere they have books. All right. Well, Free Roll, yeah, go get Free Roll. It has a lot of these stories and many more. And I'm going to now have to tell Brad that you crushed him with these uh, these <laughs> sorry, crazy Brad. crazy tells. Yeah, sorry, Brad. He's not he's not going to take too kindly to it. Do you have anything to plug, Brad, or stand up or, or anything? Uh, I'll be in Vegas. At the MGM, September 10th through the 17th, and uh, just just my book. Uh, go get the book. Wow. Well, thank you. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks. That was uh, the stories yeah, were spectacular. And you, you were, Artie. Well, yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> Artie canceled too. I mean, you he was not going to beat that. And uh, it goes without saying that you are my favorite attempted murderer of all time. Okay. I don't think What's that's going to change you? either. <laughs> Rand told everybody, we'll be right back. All right, that brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make-Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the Degenerate Trifecta and I set sail tackling fake gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week, we docked into San Diego as Cape Crusaders converge at Comic-Con. And in honor of the big event, the Riverboat Casino is taking bets on which superhero could hit a baseball the furthest. Is it Iron Man at 3-1, to one, Batman at 5-1, to one, or Thor at six to one odds. Let's check in with my own super squad, the Degenerate Trifecta. Parlay Kid, your thoughts. I'm taking the Dark Knight, a diligent worker who fits perfectly into today's game as an expert in launch angles and exit velo. And he's got the perfect name for a ball player, Batman. Brother Bry, do you agree? No, Sal. I'm going Iron Man. You would design the most powerful armored suit that could generate the most bat speed and hit a baseball further than any other superhero. All right, Harry, it's up to you. Sal, I'll take Thor. He's not even from the planet Earth. He's a god, god of thunder. Enough said. Iron Man is basically a rich billionaire snob, and as for Batman, he can't even fly. So hammer the 6-1 odds on Thor. All right, the Riverboat Casino manager has returned with the results, and the winner of this bionic baseball derby is Batman. The Cape Crusader's peak human-level strength helps him kapow the ball into the Gotham skyline. Regardless of which spandex sporting superhero you support, sit back and enjoy Captain Morgan. That's another week of Captain Morgan's make-believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right, joining me right now is the founder of PropSwap. It's an online secondary market for sports bets. Oh, I love it. It's a genius idea. And right now, Ian Epstein, the genius himself, is here to talk more about it. Ian, thanks for coming on Against All Odds. Thanks for having me, Sal. Now, Ian, tell me, other than being a spectacular play on words, what is PropSwap and how did you get it started? Uh, So, like you said, PropSwap is a secondary market for sports bets. Mm -hmm. So basically... Any sports bet that gets made legally in this country uh, can be listed for sale as long as it's still active. So you can list it for sale on our website and app uh, at a price you determine, and then we'll go and we'll find a buyer for you. Uh, so we like to uh, you know, say it's like StubHub, but for sports bets. Right. Um, and basically this came about because you know before PropSwap, you make a bet and either it wins and you win the entire collect amount or it loses and you get nothing, right? All or nothing. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole range of values in between zero and 100% that your bet is worth at any given time. Right. So why can't you capitalize on that, you know, on that bet? Yes, you can. Now you can. And it's great. And I was, I was on the uh, app today and there's, there's dozens of different futures out there. Now your business stands to benefit as much, if not more, from the Supreme Court decision than any other that I could figure out. So instead of hundreds of futures betting slips, there will soon be tens of thousands at your disposal. Like I have, if, if I have France at five to one with my bookie, you tell me to F off. Like, That's something you scribbled on a cocktail napkin. There's no proof. So it's not legit. But now when people have these right. actual tickets, these betting stubs, they could sell them at a profit, right? Right. So yeah. So you, your, your friend, Bill Simmons loves to tell the story about how he bet 
you know, the, 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 the online sports book got the wrong favorite. Yes. And so he bet the team that was plus 10, and then it turned out, you know, and then, then he voided that bet. You know, that's the kind of stuff you run into with the online sports books. So we, we made the determination when we started this business three years ago that we would only deal with legal sports wagers. Right. And before May 14th, that meant only Nevada. Uh, and so then with the Supreme Court reversal of PASPA, that basically opened up of, of the supply of what we can sell has now gone from one state to possibly 50 states, you know, in, in the near future. So every state that's, that's opened up sports betting, uh, you know, you can, you can sell those tickets on PropSwap. Right. And yes, you know, right now it's, it's a lot of futures are up there. Um, but I mean, imagine this now. Imagine sports betting gets legalized in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Don't you imagine that the spread on a Steelers game in Western Pennsylvania is going to be a little different than the spread on the Steelers game in, in Vegas? Oh, right? right. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of you know straight bets that will be available for sale at numbers that are not available in your in your local town. Yes. Now, so I went on there today and I see that he, so someone's trying to sell a prop. The Browns at thirty-five to one for seventy dollars can win twenty-five hundred and twenty dollars. I wouldn't offer um, thirty-five cents for something <laughs> like that, but there are there are big ones, and it's like the biggest question I get. Uh, and most questions is how do I hedge, and I don't know how to hedge. And you are now you figured out a device to help people hedge. So let's take the Las Vegas Knights, the Vegas Knights, for example. That must have been your biggest. That must have been your biggest boom on this site, right? It was. It was crazy. I mean, not only was it an expansion team that started a five hundred to one that went to the finals, it was a Vegas expansion team, right? Mm-hmm. So there was tons of these betting tickets where people bet a little to win a lot, floating around the city. Uh, and so, yeah, that was a great example of of why PropSwap exists. Because, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's it's impossible to hedge, right? Let's say you're you know three game, you're you know it's it's the Sweet Sixteen of the March Madness, it's very difficult to start hedging that bet out, you know, four wins away. Right. Yeah. Um, but let's say you get to the finals, like the Vegas Golden Knights did sometimes. Yes, it's feasible to hedge, but what if you don't have the money to, right? right. So we had guys who bet $200 at 300 to one odds. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we literally, we talked to a guy who had a, a Vegas Golden Knights ticket that collected $60,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if the Golden Knights won and when they were down two to one, we uh, a buyer offered him eighteen thousand dollars for his ticket. Wow! And you know what? He lol that it. He, he he rejected that bid. Wow! And so that that kind of goes to this other thing that we deal with with prop swap is is people's greed, right? So yeah, so people love the idea you could sell your bet, but then sometimes guys the the these value their ticket more than it's worth, right? They, they look at it like it's a collectible, like it's a baseball card, and you know when there's a, there's a very distinct amount that it's worth. Uh, so in that case, a guy who bet two hundred dollars mm-hmm. rejected eighteen thousand dollars, and then it ended up being worth zero. It was zero. Um, he was lost two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, well, he lost eighteen thousand. Yeah, I guess lost, so. Right. right? Yeah. That, see, that's that's how people look at it, which I I would disagree with. They're like, oh, I only bet two hundred. Mm-hmm. But like, no, you're wagering eighteen thousand dollars if right. you don't take this offer right now. That that's what you're wagering. Right. Um, but on the on the flip side, we had a guy who wagered three hundred dollars at hundred to one, so his his bet was worth. Thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and he sold it for twelve thousand six hundred uh, before the the Stanley Cup finals against the Capitals. Good, and he ended up taking his wife to Paris on for their for their anniversary. That's great, um, and so, you don't have yeah. to spend the money on your wife, right? You could just uh, just keep <laughs> keep making bets, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that, that's what we tell sports books at least. <laughs> well, that that's interesting. And then you know, it's funny you sell your your ticket, and then you're actually now he's re- he's rooting for the Capitals at that point, right? Because he's like, well, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, the other thing I was telling Gold Knights fans is that look, I mean, like you can still be a Knights fan sure. and sell your ticket, right? I mean, tens of millions of sports fans don't stand to win a penny when their team wins. I mean, like, do you, do you bet on the Cowboys? Like, will you, will you bet the Cowboys? No, not, not so much. Anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But you'll still be ecstatic if they win the Super Bowl. Right. So how does it make you any less of a fan? Because you locked in a profit on this bet you made. No, right? You're still going to root for the night. Yeah. Well, uh, let's put it in even simpler terms. Let's say you had a, t- a ticket to the game itself and, um, you, you paid, you know, you, you got it for free and someone at, offered you $3,000 for the ticket to the game. You're not less of a fan because you're staying watching on your TV. You're at sometimes it makes sense, uh, you know, monetarily to jump on board. Right. So yeah, exactly. I think you're right. Now, how did this start? It started though. There was a, you used to hunt people down in like sports books looking for tickets, right? Or (laughs) maybe I'm uh, uh, exaggerating, but there's a story with the Falcons, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a complete happenstance story. Yeah. We were in the Caesars palace sports book, uh, the, the morning of 
uh, the Super Bowl Patriots versus the Falcons, mm-hmm. and we literally overheard a guy talking to someone else in line uh, about how he had these ten different Falcons to win the Super Bowl futures that he had uh, that he had made. The you know, and it, it amounted to two hundred thousand dollars in collect amount if the Falcons won. Mm-hmm. And we heard about this guy. He was talking to this guy how he, he was going to buy his parents a house. When the Falcons won, and I mean, we, we heard this and our, our ears started ringing, right? We were like, wait, wait, like do, you, like, do you know what we do? Like, we can buy those tickets from you right now. Like, we'll, we will put a check in your hand right now for those tickets. And so we, we talked to some of our big buyers, and our buyers were like, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, a guy said he'll pay 85000 for all those tickets to collect 200 mm-hmm. So then we went to this guy with the Falcons tickets, and we wrote him a check in his name, handed him a check for $75,000. Because, you know, we, we have to make a little money ourselves. Yeah. And he tore it up. He stripped, tore it up in our face, uh, said, no, no thanks. And we're like, do you know Matt Ryan personally? Like, do you have like a personal connection? I mean, the, the guy right, was right, from right. San Diego. <laughs> uh, and he tore, he tore up a check for $75,000 um, and said, I'm not going to hedge it. And we're like, would you sell one of those tickets? Like, uh, if you just sold one or two of those tickets, you can at least recoup your investments right. and then you're free rolling. And he didn't hedge a penny. Um, and so I'm sure he was dancing on tables at halftime, but I think he was crying under a table at, at the end of the game. In the overtime. Yeah. 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 People are dumb. And I, you know, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done the same thing, but you, did you keep the, um, torn up check that he, 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 he ripped up in front of you? <laughs> we, we, we did not keep the check, but, uh, yeah, we, we reached out to him the next day and, uh, no response. That was uh, it? Uh, no. Funny enough. Yeah, that <laughs> he, was it. He didn't want to talk to us. He wasn't in any mood to talk um, about it. No, you should have, that should be your logo. That torn up check should be. <laughs> Prop swap yeah, right. logo right there. You're not going to do better than that. I mean, that. I, I'm thinking, I, I think our slogan should be prop swap because most bets lose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But you know what they say? And like I, like I said, I can't ever figure out when to hedge, but I've heard that, oh, a hedge is just another bet. And the more you bet, the more you, the more chance that you have of losing. But I mean, but you're right. Sometimes look, the odds are so stacked in your favor. You'd be really, really stupid not to cash in and even out there. Yeah, I mean, the name of the game is making money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's why we all bet on sports, right? It's to make money. Right. And so why not take – no one ever went broke taking profit. So I, right. I don't understand why people are, have a, such a hard – I think it's an ego thing sure. sometimes mm-hmm. uh, where they just think, you know, they made the bet because they thought it was going to win, and then you see that, that collective amount on their ticket, right? That's another thing. We see, like, you know, like, see that number on their ticket, and they've already, like, spent the money in their head, mm-hmm. right? Like, they've already – figured out where that money's going to. And so when, you know, your, let's say your ticket says 5,000 on it and we're like, yeah, you can sell that for seven fifty right now. Mm-hmm. And they're like seven fifty. you know, I, I, I wanted, you know, I wanted at least 3000. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a battle, but look, when we first started this thing, people, the idea of selling their bet didn't even cross people's minds, mm-hmm. but now it is in people's minds. And now we just need to get them to like, come to a realistic number, but right. we're, we're, we're doing a good job. You are. And you know, you could always take a picture of the ticket and not tell your friends that you bailed out on the bed. And if it wins, <laughs> right, you'd be like, yeah, right. look what I got here. And I, I have a, a Porsche to show for it too, because, because of prop exactly. swap, but they won't say why. Let me ask you this. Logistically, how does it work? Just so that people know you're legitimate. When someone, when do you collect the actual ticket um, from the seller? Right. So uh, after it sells, so mm-hmm. you can go to our website or download our app. Uh, and then if you want to sell your ticket, you basically take a photo of it. That's for internal purposes only. That doesn't get shown anywhere. Right. Uh, and then you punch in the information uh, and then it goes up for sale. And then only once it sells, you have seven days to mail us in the ticket. And then once we receive the ticket and we verify it, then we will release the funds to you. You can request a check or PayPal, or you can use those funds to buy more tickets. Yeah. Uh, and so we have, so prop swap is not sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically, you know, the wager happens at the casino. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that ticket becomes your property. So right. because this is not gambling, we actually have buyers in multiple states. So, uh, you know, you're talking about that Browns ticket, you know, being a 35 to one, mm-hmm. we actually have buyers in Ohio. We have buyers in nine different states. Nevada's one, Ohio's another, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, people can go on these other states and they can purchase these tickets uh, even outside Nevada. Um, yeah, gotcha. once, once you sell a ticket, you can actually use those funds to, to buy more tickets. Right, right. Let me ask you this. Let's say a guy has uh, Joey Chestnut to eat under <laughs> 60 and a half uh, hot dogs. Uh, I'm sorry, under 70 and a half hot dogs. He has a ticket for Joey Chestnut to eat under 70 and a half hot dogs. And 
After the 10 minutes, ESPN reports that he has 64 hot dogs. How much would you buy that ticket for? Would you buy it for the full amount? Right. Well, I mean, so we don't buy any tickets, right? That's we're just the marketplace where other people can buy tickets. Uh, but I mean, you know, that again, back to the not taking wagers from offshore sports books, right, right, that's right. the kind of stuff you run into. Nevada would never start taking wagers on the hot dog contest. I mean, right. the draft and the lottery, that sort of stuff, obviously, but like something is where you, you have some, the, the bunnets are, are flipping numbers. Uh, yes. I, I'd like to think that Nevada would never start taking wagers on that. And they'd be uh, wise but, not but, to because they're not able to do yeah. that. I'm sorry. I'm being facetious. They're not able to ca- actually count <laughs> hot dogs, I, even though there's a freaking camera designated to Joey Chestnut. I, I'm sorry. I'm on a rant I, here. I, I, I smell a bad beat. Were you, <laughs> did you have the under? Well, that it? was it. I had the under and, uh, <laughs> and I had under 70 and a half and they showed 64 and I'm running around the dancing like a schoolgirl celebrating and then Joey Chestnut in the interview says that he had no I had 74 and they took his word which for was it. worse this or the uh or the Oscars it's the same it's the same freaking thing like I was <laughs> saying like if I were to live bet these after the you couldn't live bet these after the announcement because because no. it's considered no. a win yeah I know I've had too many of these way too many but uh <laughs> well thank you I appreciate it. Ian Epstein you can go to prop swap app if you want to unload a legitimate futures ticket thanks for joining us Ian this is a great idea Thanks for having me, Sal. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds. Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Hey, don't forget, we're going to be at the National Fantasy Football Convention in Fort Worth this Saturday. I think I'll be appearing in a mock draft on stage with Matthew Berry, and we're planning on doing podcasts all day. Come by and say hi. If you can't do that, shoot us an email, why don't you, at CousinSalAgainstAllOdds at gmail.com. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that. I'm Sal, saying so long and happy handicapping. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you could also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and much more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight. The only booking app you need.